This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 77, Karna's in Charge. Last time, we took a brief hiatus from the story, so I could unload on you all the ideas I've had knocking around in my head since I started this project. Hopefully there was something in there to spark your own interest, so if you have any comments or anything to contribute, perhaps to answer some of my questions, please visit my blog and leave a comment. That is at www.mahabharatapodcast.com. In the episode before that, we left off just at the beginning of the Karna Parva, or the Book of Karna. This is the third of the so-called battle books, each of which is named after the commander in charge at that time in the war. When Bhishma was made commander, it was a big deal. Drona also got appointed and anointed with much ceremony. But now that these luminaries are out of the way, Karna's appointments seem to pass by with very little fanfare. As Sanjay is done at the outset of each commander's appointment, he quickly glossed over their career and suddenly announced that the commander, in this case Karna, got killed after two days of fighting. Perhaps he was planning on skipping ahead to the aftermath of Karna's defeat, but of course Dhritarashtra stopped him and made him go back and tell all the details of Karna's downfall. Oddly enough, the whole pretense of Sanjay's divine sight is dropped at this point. We are told that, after Karna had been killed, Sanjay traveled all night with fast horses back to Hastinapur to deliver the news. The bard says that Sanjay, after traveling all night from the battlefield, entered the king's residence, which was emptied of all the men. Tired and full of despair, he greeted the king and then said, Sanjay here, I hope you are happy now, since you were warned so many times not to get into this mess. Dhritarashtra said, Of course I was devastated to hear about Bhishma and Drona's downfall. I really thought they could not be beaten. So tell me now, what happened next? Don't spare any details. Sanjay said, Okay then, but hang on to your seat because it gets ugly. I'm afraid you can't stand the news. The king replied, I can handle it. I already know that this was all fated to happen, so tell me everything. Sanjay then backed up to the morning of the 16th day. He said that the news of Drona's death had spread fear and despair among the Karavas, so Diyarana tried to cheer them up a bit. He said, In war, there is only victory or death, so why should our situation come as any surprise to you? In any case, all is not yet lost. Look here, we still have that great archer Karna. Hasn't he repeatedly forced Arjun to retreat from battle? He also killed that horrific demon Gatuk Kacha. We've still got him and Drona's son on our side, so what's there to worry about? Then Sanjay just skipped ahead right to the end of the story again. He said, After Karna was made general, he roared like a lion and attacked. He caused great carnage and killed warriors by the thousand. But then, after tormenting the Panchalas and Pandavas, he was felled by Arjun. Hearing that the last bastion to his son's survival had fallen, Dhritarashtra took it as if his sons were already dead. He fell to the ground in a dead faint. In the ensuing chaos, the womenfolk began wailing, thinking all was lost. Vidor came rushing to the king's side and splashed water on his face to wake him up, while Gandhari also fell into a faint. When the king regained consciousness, at first he was confused and unsure what was going on. Gradually, he regained his senses and said, How is it that my son still lives now that Karna has fallen? Grimly, Sanjay said, King, the mighty warrior Karna has been killed along with his brothers and sons, and Dushasan has been killed by the great Pandava, and in his rage Bhima drank his blood. Again, old King Dhritarashtra was struck with a fainting spell. Once he had again regained his senses, he asked calmly to be told all the details of Karna's downfall. And so, for the third time, Sanjay backed up to the night of the fifteenth day and provided more details regarding Karna's election and subsequent fall. He said that at the end of the day's fighting, when everyone had put their weapons down and cleaned up, Duryodhana held a council meeting. The Karva king opened up the discussion by asking, Now that Drona is gone, what do you all suggest we do next? 
It was Ashvataman who spoke up, saying, Although we have lost some of the best of our warriors, now is not the time for despair. We still have Karna on our side, and I recommend that you appoint him to be our new commander. Everybody else agreed with this, so Duryodhana addressed Karna, saying, Now that both of my generals have been killed, please be our commander. You are better than the both of them, but we only made them commander out of respect and because you advised us to. But after all, both of them, great as they were, had a soft spot for our enemies. We have wasted many days because they protected the Pandavas when we should have been killing them. But now that is over, and now we have the chance to finish this war as we should have done days ago. Karna replied, I have not forgotten how I promised you that I would defeat the Pandavas. Well, have no fear. I will be your general, and you can consider the enemy as good as vanquished. And so, the loyal Brahmins were summoned, paid large sums in gold, and Karna was consecrated commander-in-chief of the Karva army, the third to hold that title in 15 days. It says that when the soldiers saw Karna, brilliant on his chariot like the noonday sun, they forgot all the previous disasters and once again felt that victory was assured. Yudhishthira, on the other hand, had a very different assessment. He saw this remnant of the Karva army bereft of so many great warriors and felt that this remainder could be mowed down as easily as grass. Both sides, confident of victory, then marched to begin the 16th day of the battle. There aren't many heroes left on the Karva side, so the day's fighting began with a few lesser-known Karva heroes getting killed by Bhim and Arjun. Later, Bhima squared off with Ashvataman, and the pair were well-matched. Both were knocked unconscious and had to be carried off the field. Arjun then took on a bunch of unnamed assailants and made short work of the lot of them. The immortal sages who were watching from overhead all cheered and sang fight songs for Arjun. By then, Ashvataman had recovered enough for this to bother him, so he attacked Arjun. The pair traded blows for a while, but soon Ashvataman was reminded that he was no match for Kunti's son. He managed to injure Krishna, but that only made Arjun mad, and he quickly disarmed Drona's son and sent him running for cover. As he fled, Ashvataman reconsidered ever fighting Arjun again, and began to believe that the Pandava's victory was inevitable. As for Arjun, he resumed the chore of exterminating the Karva rank and file with his arrows. Perhaps due to this shortage of heroes, we are suddenly introduced to a new character, an ally of the Pandavas referred to only as the Pandya King. This Pandya King was a pretty good fighter. He dueled with Ashvataman for a while and even produced some magic weapons, but eventually Drona's son got the better of him and the Pandya King was killed. While Arjun was exterminating Karva soldiers, Karna was doing similar damage to the Pandavas' Shunjaya allies. Satyaki rode out with Draupadi's sons, the Draupadeyas, to resist him. Sahadev had a brief encounter with Dushasan and knocked him unconscious, forcing him to be driven off the field. With Sahadev's victory still fresh, Nakul tried to outdo him by taking on Karna. Unwisely, he even taunted Karna, saying, Come and fight. You're the cause of all this conflict. You're the reason the Kurus are divided and fighting one another. Once I've killed you, we'll be done with this feud. Karna replied, Bring it on, my boy. Words are cheap. Let's fight. Then the pair engaged in battle. Nakul did pretty good at first. He managed to injure Karna and killed all of his escort, but ultimately the son of Asuta got the upper hand, demolishing all of the Pandava's weapons. When Nakul realized he'd been beaten, he turned to flee the battle. Laughing, Karna pursued him, reached out with his bow, and hooked the Pandava's neck in its crook. Karna said, What was that you were saying to me? Tell me again so I can thrash your ass one more time. Next time be sure to fight with your equals. Now run home, boy. While the carnage continued on both sides, Yudhishthira squared off with his rival Duryodhana. The pair traded blows for a while, but eventually Yudhishthira began to give more than he got. 
The Dharmaraja killed his cousin's driver and horses, forcing Kripa to race over and carry him away from danger. Still no mention of what happened to Duryodhana's magic armor. Sanjay summarized the afternoon's action like this. Karna slaughtered the Panchalas, Dhananjaya slaughtered the Trigartas, while Bhimasena killed a whole division of elephants. Then the sun drew near the western hills, and then set while the fighting continued. But because of the darkness, and especially because of the dust, we could no longer see friend or foe. Thus the mighty archers, terrified of fighting in the dark, retreated with all their warriors. Sanjay said the Pandavas went to their camp in good cheer, feeling that they had been the victors of that day. As dawn broke out on the morning of the 17th day, Karna had a conference with Duryodhana. He complained that he was Arjun's superior in every way. Even his bow, called Vijaya, was superior to Arjun's Gandava. But he still had one critical disadvantage, a good driver. After all, Arjun had that special celestial chariot and one of the greatest drivers at the reins. All he needed to be Arjun's match in every way was to have a driver as good as or better than Krishna. Fortunately for them, they believed they had just the guy on their side, good old King Shalya. According to Karna, Shalya was the very best horseman in India, so with him as his driver, victory would be assured. I'd like to get back to the subject of Karna's bow for a minute. As an aside, Karna said that the Vijaya bow had originally belonged to Indra, and that Indra had given it to Rama Bhargava, or Rama Jamadagnya, or Parashuram. Then Rama gave it to him. Here we get another hint at the story of how Karna got trained by Rama Jamadagnya. So far, we're yet to be told that story. It seems the author assumes we know it by now. Anyway, getting back to Karna and his charioteer, Duryodhana went to King Shalya most politely. He said, You've heard what Karna just said, and since you have no equal on the battlefield, with all humility and deference, I beg you, please be Karna's charioteer, because if you become his driver, we have no doubt that the two of you will overwhelm the enemy. Those guys won't stand a chance. But old Shalya did not consider this to be complimentary in the least. Rather, he took the request as an insult. Getting red in the face, he said angrily, How dare you ask me to be that Sutputra's driver? You praised him as if he were better than us, but he's no equal of mine. I'll tell you what, assign me my share of the enemy, I will go out and kill them, and then allow me to go home. But don't dishonor me with such impudent suggestions, for shame, asking me to be the charioteer to a charioteer's son. The old king of the Madras, the twin's uncle, got so offended that he got up and left, ordering his retinue to prepare to return home. Duryodhana had to run out and persuade him to turn around. He explained his logic in a more flattering light. He said that he had no doubt that Shalya was one of the very best fighters. But what they needed was balance. Duryodhana said, You see, Karna can defeat Arjun, but Arjun has Krishna, and only you are as good as Krishna at driving the horses. So we need you to hold that position. You'll notice that Krishna doesn't feel dishonored to be Arjun's driver, so neither should you feel bad about driving Karna against them. Shalya said, Well, since you put it that way, I'm okay with it. I will fight against Krishna while Karna takes on Arjun. I have only one stipulation, which is that I may freely speak my mind to Karna at any time. Duryodhana and Karna both readily agreed to that. Sure, why not? They had gotten their driver, so what could possibly go wrong? Karna still thought Shalya was a bit reluctant to serve as his driver, so he asked Duryodhana to have some words in private with Shalya. The Karva took Shalya aside and said, You see, Karna is not what he appears to be. After all, he studied the art of war under Rama Jamadagnya. And do you think Rama would have accepted a Sutta as his disciple? Far from it. It is obvious from his bearing and his loyalty that Karna must be the son of a god and a true-born Kshatriya. I have no doubt of that. 
Shaya did not seem overly concerned, as long as he was allowed to speak freely while at the reins. As the first rays of sunlight appeared on the horizon, Karna and Shalya mounted the massive chariot to prepare for war. Duryodhana praised the pair of warriors and then reminded them of their mission. He said, Heroic son of Adirata, our future glory depends on you. My previous two generals both failed in their missions, so now those tasks rest on your shoulders. You must kill Arjun and Bhima and take Yudhishthira captive. Go now and may victory be yours. Proudly, Karna called out, Drive those horses, mighty king, while I make quick work of Bhima and Arjun. Today, I'll destroy the Pandavas and bring victory to our side. Shalya whipped the horses into a gallop, but he took exception to Karna's boasting. He said, Hey, Sutputra, how can you still talk like that after all we've been through already? You can't possibly believe that the Pandavas are as easy to kill as all that. You won't be bragging like that after you've felt the sting of Arjun's arrows. Karna just bit his tongue and commanded the army to move out. As the car of a chariots trundled forward, Karna advised his fellow fighters. He told them to watch out for the Pandavas, because they were all fierce fighters. He said, You guys just leave them up to me. I shall take them on, one by one, and kill them. And if I fail, I'm ready to meet my death, but it shall be either them or me. Shalya interrupted, saying, Stop it. You talk way too much. How can you compare yourself to Dhananjaya? He is an upright and virtuous man, and I can't say the same for you. Think of all that crazy shit Arjun has done in the past. What have you done that even compares with that? And every time you have confronted the man, you've been beaten back. So what makes you think you'll have a different outcome this time? Karna said, Get off my back, old man. Like it or not, we are fighting Arjun today, so let the outcome of the battle speak for itself. As their commander, Karna took the lead and roused the troops with offers of gifts. He said, To the first man who spots Arjun today, I shall reward with a wagon load of jewels. The troops all cheered this. Encouraged, Karna went on, Whoever can lead me to Arjun, I shall give 100 slave girls, each wearing a golden collar. Again, this was met with more cheers. But again, Shalya threw a wet blanket on Karna's boasts. He said, O oh, Suputra, you'll see Arjun soon enough. Don't waste your time handing out money like a Vaishya banker. You might as well reward your own executioner. Now Karna started to get annoyed. He said, Only the truly noble can recognize their fellows, and you, sir, are no true nobleman. I know all about Arjun and his weapons, but that doesn't scare me. Arjun's bow and Krishna's disc may terrify normal folks, but they only make me long to fight them. But you wouldn't understand such sentiments. After all, you're from Madra, and no real Kshatriyas come from that country. You don't know what you're talking about. I could kill a thousand Arjuns and Krishnas, so I think you should hold your tongue. On the other hand, I know all about your people. I know how you let your women and children mingle freely with slaves and outcasts. Your best families all enjoy drinking and eating beef. The Madras are barely civilized. It is well known that you cannot trust a Madra at his word. There is no friendship with a Madra, for a Madra is dirt and their word is worthless. I have seen your women, drunk with wine, strip off their clothes and dance wildly. Like donkeys they piss while standing up. And you, the son of such a woman, wants to tell me about morals. Clearly you are planted by the enemy to distract me from my purpose. But there is nothing a little man like you can do to stop me. So shut your mouth, wise ass. I'll let you off with a warning this time, for my lord's sake, but if you keep talking like this to me, I'll knock you in the head with my club. Shalya said, I am a king from a long line of kings, so who are you to question my antecedents? Shalya then recounted a story of a wealthy Vaishya who had a pet crow. They fed this crow rich food and praised the bird as if he were king of the birds. One day a flock of geese came flying by, and the crow challenged them, saying he could outfly them all. 
The geese laughed at the crow's empty boasting, but the crow insisted that he was their better. So the geese allowed this impudent crow to accompany them as they crossed the ocean on their long migration. They tolerated his boasts and insults until they were far from the sight of land. It was only then that the crow became too weary to fly any further, but there was nowhere to land. Only when the crow fell from the sky from fatigue did a goose take pity on him. He loaded the crow on his back and flew the exhausted bird back to land. Shalya continued, Just like that crow, the carvers have been feeding you leftovers and it has puffed you up far beyond your station. Now you treat everyone, even your betters, with contempt. I suggest you quit your boasting, because soon no one will have any sympathy for your madness. Oddly, Karna chose this moment to make a confession. He told Shalya that he had obtained the Brahma weapon from Parasurama, but it had one defect. He said that in order to get this weapon, he had studied under Parasurama, pretending to be a Brahmin. Karna obtained the weapon he desired, but then disaster struck. One day, while Rama was sleeping with his head resting on Karna's lap, Indra took possession of a dreadful worm. As Rama slept, the worm burrowed itself painfully into Karna's thigh. Not wanting to disturb his guru, Karna held still and did not try stopping the worm. When Rama woke up, however, he noticed the injury and observed that no Brahmin could withstand such discomfort. Poor Karna had to confess to his guru that he was, in fact, a Sutta. Rama said that the Brahma weapon only works for Brahmins and that it is not reliable for anyone else. Therefore, he said, this weapon shall fail you when you need it the most. Karna continued, but never mind that, this weapon will still do the trick. Besides, I will kill Arjun with my arrows alone, so there's nothing to worry about. They must have had quite a drive from the base camp to the battlefield, but finally they drew near the battle lines. Duryodhana had heard enough of this pair's bickering, so he stepped in to put a stop to it. This must have reminded Karna of his exalted position, because he just laughed it off magnanimously and then gave the order to attack the enemy. That's all for now. Next time, we'll get started with the action on day 17 of the war. Thanks for listening. <laughs>